Matthew chapter uh, 28, verse 19 says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teach them to observe all the things I've commanded you, and lo, I am with you always to the end of the age. Amen. See, I want the vision of this church is evangelism, discipleship, and church planting. That we're taking the word right here out of this Bible. And what we, what we have been doing is evangelizing all of you, most of you, uh, uh, and mo all of you know that we go out and we outreach and we try to meet people that don't know Jesus and preach the gospel and get them saved. When we come here, we, evangel we, we disciple men to take on that great commission to go out and hopefully just go out and evangelize to keep this, this uh, 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 vision going. Amen. So tonight we have disciples in the making. That is exactly what it is. These men here, disciples from this church on fire, ready to preach a fire down, amen? So when I say you're going to get cut up, you will, because they're preaching from this Bible, amen? And God's going to deal with us, amen? Just open your hearts, and we're going to go ahead and start with uh, Brother Paul Platt. Let's give God a hand as he comes on down. Pick us up, baby. Wow, Kimberly. That was wonderful. Tell you what, you parents never underestimate what the Holy Spirit can do through your kiddos. Because tell you what, sometimes where we as parents are hardened and crushed by the world, they haven't had that happen to them yet. So, whoops. So, yeah, just lift up those kids. We were talking about that today. Instead of beating your kids down and telling them what they do wrong, lift them up. Lift them up. Anyway. This kind of leads into what I want to talk about. And years ago, some of you might remember the name Art Linkletter. He hosted a show called Kids Say the Darndest Things. And don't they do? And, and uh, my message was actually inspired by one of my sons, which I'm not going to name. But my one son said it, but I know my other son probably thought it. And, and we have all thought this. And it, and it all has to do with free will. Okay, free will was given to us by God. You know, in, in Genesis one twenty six, we were made, it says, the Holy Word says, we were made in the image and likeness of God. And part of God's likeness was free will. And why would God give us free will? I mean, would it make sense for God to make a creation that, you know, we're supposed to uh, praise our Heavenly Father and love him? And we would, we would be made to have to do that? You know, would it make sense for you to, let's put it this way. I'll ask a question. Do you like it that your kids love you freely because they love you? Or, or do you have to force them to love you? No, I mean, the answer is we would most, most of us want our kids just to love us out of their own free will. And that's what God wants out of us is to love him out of our own free will. But, of course, we all know what happened later on in Genesis, you know. God told Adam and Eve, hey, you, you can eat of anything here in the garden, but you cannot eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. God, God created us, and, and he wanted us. He, he had already made us good. I mean, we didn't know any difference. Adam, Adam and Eve didn't know any difference. All they knew was good at that time. So... God didn't want them to know evil. So, of course, out of our free will, we made our first dumb mistake, and it was a glorious dumb mistake. And it kind of goes back to my favorite commandment that God could have stopped that, and that was, thou shalt not be stupid. 
because it kind of covers all the other dumb things. But see, the deal is we're all so stupid. God had 10 of them that he had to tell us about. So, but I mean, you know, we, we all had the free will. And, and I kind of picked on my boys. Hey, they, they haven't done anything different than I haven't done myself. And I'm old enough to have done a lot more stupid things than they have. So, but, but they're great boys. I mean, I wouldn't trade them for anything in the world. They love the Lord. They serve the Lord. Sometimes they don't want to, but they, they do it anyway. And sometimes we have to make them, but that's, that's all right. You know, it's not one of my favorite things to want to be up here, but you know what? I want to please my daddy in heaven, and if I can say something to make a difference in somebody's life up here, then I'm going to try my best. So, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I look at my life. You know, I've done some crazy things out of my own free will. I think my first recollection of doing something silly that I was told not to do was our neighbors had a great big china berry tree, and I loved to climb. And I would love to see how high I could go up in that china berry tree, and then I would pull those china berries out of the tree, and I'd throw them down at people on the ground. Well, my mom always said, don't go too high. You're going to fall. Kind of like the story, the Christmas story, he wanted the BB gun. You'll shoot your eye out. So guess what? One day he went up the tree. I know. I was six years old. Went up the tree, went as high as I could go, fell out of the tree. Landed on my back, knocked the wind out of me. I thought I was dead. I was hurting so bad, ran home. I couldn't even say mom. I had no wind in me. But, I mean, that's part of that free will. I did what I wanted to do because I was the hot shot who could climb trees and climb them fast and be a little monkey, and uh, I hurt myself. But, I mean, that goes on. I did a bunch of dumb things out of free will. And, and look, at all the, look at all of our martyrs, not martyrs, but all the biblical characters. You know, we could talk about uh, Jonah. You know, out of his free will, God said, hey, go to Nineveh. He goes, uh-uh. Nope, not going to do it. God goes, okay, we'll get you there one way or the other. I've got a great big fish that will carry you there, no charge. You know, there's, there's even room service. There's some old chewed-up fish in there, and you can just eat whatever you want to while you're on your way to Nineveh. Look at Moses. You know, 40 years out in the desert because the chosen people had their own free will, right? But, I mean, also free will, we do great things. You know, look at David and all he did for God. Killed Goliath, killed a lion, a bear. It's like, man, I've never done that, but gosh, he did that. But of course, David did his dumb stuff too, right? So anyway, we, we just need to be careful with that free will. It can be a blessing or a curse. So, uh, tell you what, let's, let's all go to Deuteronomy 28, 1 through 68. And I'll do that myself. And, and since I'm started off on, you know, how free will can be a gift or, you know, a blessing or a curse, we, we will talk about blessings and curses. Because in this chapter, Deuteronomy, God really spells it out for us. And I'm only going to, you know, read through part of this, but you will definitely get the idea. 1 through 14 is all about blessings, where 15 through 68 
is all about curses. So I would say let's stay in God's glory and do what, you know, he wants us to do and give him all the praise and let's not try to get our own praise. But I'll start out with one. Now it shall come to pass if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all his commandments which I command you today that the Lord your God will set you high above all nations of the earth. Wow, that's a, that's a good blessing. To be set on high above all the nations on earth. Woo! And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you because you obey the voice of your God. Blessed shall you be in the city, and blessed shall you be in the country. Blessed shall you be the fruit of your body, the produce of your ground, and the increase of your herds, the increase of your cattle, and the offspring of your flocks. Blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Blessed shall be you when you come in, and blessed shall you be when you go out. The Lord will cause your enemies to rise against you, to be defeated before your face. That would be good to have an enemy and not even have to go to battle. You know, sit there and you just look at them. It's like, come on, come on. Then they just fall over. Man, that would be wonderful. I could have used that in high school. That would have kept me out of trouble right then. Uh, it goes on, and the Lord will grant you plenty of goods in the fruit of your body and the increase of your livestock. And it goes on and on about blessings. And then we go over to 15, and I wanted to start with the good news first because, well, the Bible did too. So, But in 15, then we get to the curses. But it shall come to pass if you do not obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all of his commandments and his statutes which I command you today, that all these curses will come upon you and overtake you. Curse shall be you be, in the city, and curse shall you be in the country. Curse shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Curse shall be the fruit of your body and produce. And it goes on and on about the curses. And it goes on and on and on and on and on and on. But, but you know what? We've got a great gift. We've got the gift of Jesus Christ on our side. And no matter how much we screw up, Right? If we just come back in alignment and just ask for God's forgiveness, he will do that for us. And it's, it's so amazing. And then, you know, this is, I try to keep it short because everybody usually laughs at me about me being so long. But I'll keep it short and end with this. You know, we can, we can go to John 3.16 and, and, and through 18. And let's all go there, if you will, please. And I know we've heard this probably hundreds of times, but it goes back to the free will. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him, and as pastor said, that's whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son to the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So there's that free will again. We can believe in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior and have him really be our Lord, or 
we can forsake his name and, you know, go to the pits of hell. So think about your free will. You want to use it for his glory or not for his glory? Amen. Oh, it's a powerful word. Amen. We should have the altar call right now. Amen. Well, not only do I know why Paul acts the way he does now since he fell off a tree when he was six, but but also know about blessings and curses. Amen. And this is uh this is a real word uh that that we really need to take dear to our hearts about obeying the word of God. I think, you know, every once you know, we read the word of God and sometimes we're like, Oh, okay, okay. I'm just going to speed this time because I'm late, Lord. You know, but I want you to know that, you know, not obeying, the, not obeying the laws of the land and the word of God is a sin. And those curses do, do fall upon. And it's not just that ticket. Amen. <laughs> amen. So uh, this, is, this is actually a real good word. Amen. We're going to ask Brother Robert uh, Starr to come on up. Why don't you give God praise as he comes on up. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles with you, I'm going to invite you to turn with me to Ecclesiastes chapter 1. It's a wonderful evening, isn't it, church? We live in a very exciting and very challenging time in our day. And I had prepared a message, and then as I was cleaning out my library today of old messages, I came across one that God showed me was the one for tonight. And then after hearing Paul, I knew that the recycled one was definitely the way to go. Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 1 says, the words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem, vanity of vanities, saith the preacher, vanities of vanities, all is vanity. What profit hath a man of all his labor, which he taketh under the sun? One generation passeth away, and another generation cometh, but the earth abideth forever. I want to speak to you tonight about generations. Generations that come, and generations that go. I think about the generations sometimes, the people that came before me. Sometimes I have a, a bad habit. Sometimes I go to the cemetery. And I look at headstones. And I look at a headstone of a person, I'm like, I wonder who that dude was. Who's that chick? What were they like when they were teenagers? Or sometimes I'll look at the headstone. There's a headstone of a girl that's buried not too far from my dad in Rosemount that she was my age when she died in 1970. I sometimes wonder, what would she have turned out to be like had her house not caught on fire and she'd been trapped in that fire that night that her daddy was on duty for the Waco Police Department and wasn't there to help get her out. Now look at her dad who lays next to her who died six years later, so, so young still, killed in the line of duty. Generations come, generations go. I can take you to the graveside of where my great-grandfather, Louis Phil Starr, is buried in Oakwood Cemetery in Waco. All I can tell you is he was born in 1876 and he died in 1926. That's all I can tell you about him because I know absolutely nothing about him at all other than the fact that he was born in New Orleans 
and he died in Waco. There's another man that I inspire to outlive. He's buried in China Spring, Texas. His name is Isaac Brock. And Isaac Brock was born in the Virginia Territory in 1787. And he died in Waco in 1909. Now you do the math on that. His headstone lived, he says he lived 122 years, six months, and two days. But I like what it really says on his headstone, that he died as he lived, a Christian. There's a lot of things about people that we don't know. Not many of you in here can say you talk to people who were born in the 1800s. I can because I had some great-grandparents that were born in the 1800s that were still alive when I was born. And I remember the things that they told me about riding the town on the horse and buggy. The first gasoline tractor that they got made by John Deere and how excited they were. Generations come, the preacher said, all is vanity. What do you profit from the laborer? What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul tonight? What can we say about the generations of past? What do we really know about the generations of the past? Only history can tell us certain things about certain people. But then if we're not careful, history can also be written, rewritten as it's being in our day and being changed to fit the agendas of those who want to corrupt our nation and take it a different direction. We live in a generation that I call the Hollywood church generation. I made a post on Facebook the other night. I got 47 responses from pastors who were very unappreciative of that post. That post simply read this, that if you need flashy lights and a laser show to preach the gospel, then you need to resign. And made another post for all the pastors that said, if your pastor needs flashy lights, in a laser show, laser light show, then apparently you need a new pastor. I don't apologize for that. Those of you who know me and know me well know that I have no filters. I will speak to you and tell you what it is that is on my mind. Amen. I've been doing this for 28 years. I've had guns pulled on me. Not in a long time, but I have when I was young. But it's all vanity. A hundred years from now, when I'm dead, if I should die, being on, I'm not propagating my own death. But when I die, what, 72 years from now? Yeah. Because I'll be 50 in July. Do some quick math here. What will they know about me 172 years from now? Or will they even care? Will they even know that a, some idiot from Waco once stood up and put a president of the United States on blast. What are we leaving our generation? The Hollywood church mentality, the flashing lights, the rock show, the celebrity pastor age that we live in. Beloved, what we need to be concerned about is preaching the gospel and preaching the truth no matter what. Too many people are concerned about what they're going to leave their children as an inheritance. Parents, what you need to be more concerned about is what you leave in your children. Amen. I tell you what, my son can talk to me about anything. And sometimes I ask my son, where did you hear that at? Oh, Dad, I go to public school. You know, that's his response. Generations. What about our present generation? What are we instilling in our present generation? I posted another one the other day that says that if you 
condone outlawism, then all you do is make more outlaws. I thought Pastor Elbert was fixing to put the president on blast. I will. He's the most lawless man I've ever seen in the White House, next to Nixon. Ooh, it got quiet. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I hope I offended someone. If you did, we'll pray for you. And you can forgive me. We have a nation, uh, it, it amazes me, we have a president who speaks out both sides of his mouth. He speaks about us being a nation of laws and that he doesn't want to obey him, nor does he want to enforce the laws and being the president of the United States of America, he is the highest law enforcement officer of this land. Don't believe me, ask my wife, she's a lawyer. What's coming of our nation? What is it that we're doing wrong in our nation? We need to get back to the Holy Ghost in the, in the church. Amen. We need to get back to Holy Ghost moves. In, in 1994, Martha and I had the opportunity to uh, try out for a church, interview for a church in the Assemblies of God. I've never been ordained with them, but they asked me to come and, and interview at one of their churches in Brownsboro, Texas. And I read the Pentecostal Evangel and that in that edition, in March of 94, they had taken a survey among their membership. And in 1994, that survey asked one question, have you been baptized with the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues? In 1994, only 52% of their membership had been baptized. Ten years later, when they retook that same poll, it was down to 48%. In 2011, when I was visiting with one of the general board members of the Assemblies of God, it was down to 17%. And he said, we can't understand why the big drop. I'm like, well, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure it out. Your young preachers can't preach it because they've not received it. Beloved, you cannot impart something that you have not received into your life. And the problem is, is that the World War II generation that generation that we call the greatest generation is beginning to die off. They're beginning to fade away now. And so that's why their quick drop in their stat there. What is it that we're leaving our children? What is it that we're practicing and believing in the church? Are we really believing the word of God? Are we really picking it up and reading it today and, and applying it to, the, to our life? Are pastors really preaching with real conviction? I thank God for the teachers of my past, the ones at, at, at Conley High School right outside of Waco that, that expressed their spiritual convictions to us regardless of what the Supreme Court said. I thank God for ladies like Mrs. Shelton, our creative writing teacher, and, and Mrs. Mary Warrington who put me up in front of my fourth grade class and, and made me sing to the class because I had a pretty voice. I thank God for, for teachers like Rick Lowe, our drama teacher, and people who stood up for principal and said, we will pray regardless of what they say. Do you have the backbone in this generation to stand up and pass on something great to future generations? Do you have the backbone to stand up and say, hey, I've got something to tell you, and it's not going to be popular. The drums used to be the tool of my trade. I used to my, my motto in my life, before I got born again, all those things I learned in school, they didn't take immediately. It took some life lessons. But the drums were the tool of my trade.
And the problem nowadays is that with most preachers, the Bible has become nothing more to them than a tool of their trade. What are we leaving for our future generations? What are we passing on to our future generations? Beloved, I want you to know something. What will they write about us? What will they say about us? In closing, a few years back when George Bush was leaving office, all he could think about the last year and a half of his presidency was his legacy. I'll tell you what, I ain't worried about my legacy. I'll, I'll let history writers worry about that when I die. I'll let you worry about what you put on my headstone. Beloved father, beloved husband, beloved whatever, beloved jerk. Praise God. But I want to live my life to the fullest and I want it known that until the day I do draw my last breath, I am looking for the hole in the sky and not the hole in the ground. And that's what I'm leaving with you tonight. Amen. Amen. We cannot impart something we have not received. Amen. And we can't expect our kids to be out there making a stand unless we leave in them the conviction of God to actually serve God. Amen. That's a powerful, powerful message, parents. And it's not only does it apply to our children. All right. When I, where I'm from, we actually not only get parented by our parents, but we get parented by everybody we run into we get spanked by everybody we run into guess what it works amen it worked on me i got spanked at school and at home and and and, and it took it took that for me amen god god knew what he had for me so he beat, made sure i got beat in right hallelujah amen so the generations are powerful y'all i want you to know that you you would actually notice it when you when you go down in the hood plant several things you see generations and they fall down i don't know if you guys have ever seen it you know same thing granddaddy did daddy did the kids do and they know no better amen and we got to break these curses if you actually tie in we know we're we're dead on you know we we have blessings and curses that we have generations and they travel amen Amen. So let's go ahead and uh, uh, open up for uh, uh, Brother Robert Ayala to come up. Let's give God praise as he comes up. Amen. How y'all doing today? That's good. That's good. One of these days I'll have it together like this, guys. I figure myself, I'm like a Moses, you know, he stuttered. My mind stuttered sometimes, you know, they, they can take a week or two to get ready. Well, I can't do that yet, but one of these days I will, you know. But to God be the glory. I'm going <clears> to <throat> read on Matthew 26, 14 and 16. Y'all can get there. When y'all get there, y'all can say Amen. It says, one of the twelve, the one called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priest and asked, what are you willing to give me if I hand him over to you? So they counted out 30 silver coins. From then, Judas watched for an opportunity to, to hand him over. You know, Judas, you know, they're talking about blessings and curses. 
you know, sometimes, yeah, we can say our government and our country is going downhill, but if you see, Judas was with Jesus on his side all the time. And he wouldn't have no excuse because, I mean, that was his teacher. I mean, he was following him day and night. They were eating together. They were sleeping, camping together. You know, he was watching them heal people every day, demon-possessed people. Jesus would deliver them, and they were amazed. You know, I mean, lady walking through a big old crowd trying to reach Jesus as soon as he touches his, uh, his, uh, yeah, his, his robe. You know, she got completely healed, and, you know, Jesus turned around and said, who touched me? And they were like, what do you mean, who touched you, you know? But, I mean, he was there when Jesus rose a couple of dead people. And, and for 30 coins, for 30 silver coins, you know, he gave Jesus away. And you say, man, what was he thinking? I mean, he was with Jesus, the God Almighty. And for 30 coins, you know, he gave him away. He was a sellout, you know. I went to Google and kind of researched how much he would get for selling out Jesus. And, you know, they call them shackles back then, a coin. Okay, they say if it was a 0.4 of an ounce times 30, it would equal 12 ounces. That would equal $386.40. You know, that'd be maybe a week wage, but it wouldn't matter how much... If it be a day or a week or ten years' wages, it, it wouldn't matter. He he sold out Jesus. He had a he had a price to sell Jesus. And we look at Judas as a pretty much nowadays as a big loser. How can you do that to Jesus? Uh, but I was thinking, we we look at him, but if we see ourselves. Sometimes we sell out, you know, to our, this world, you know, just for a little drink, little wine. You know, I was raised in a good family. My mom raised me at church. We were Catholic first, but she was real faithful, and, and she didn't know better until she went to a tent revival and, and really had a relationship with God. And I know saints that they were dead on the walls. And uh, I was raised as a little kid in Catholic church, falling asleep. I would put this singing book on my face because it's like a, you know, I ain't talking bad about them. Because not all Catholics are the same. They also believe in Jesus. But most of their, most of them is religious. Because I even still got friends and I tell them, hey man, you know, you, you shouldn't be praying to no saints. I mean, it's one of the Ten Commandments, and they're like, well, you know, I was raised this way. I'm like, well, I was raised that way too, but you know, that ain't right, because, I mean, God is a jealous God. So my mom found the real Jesus in a tent revival, and, and I was there as a kid. I was probably, imagine Abigail's age, about three, four years old, when I first went to that tent revival, and, and I saw demon-possessed people get delivered. You know, it was a tent revival, so it was kind of by the Rio Grande in Laredo, Texas. And uh, there were so many demons, you know, they would, some 
woman would take all the kids to the back and start singing to us Jesus' song because you can feel that demon-possessed person would make that tent just go puff off without no air. It was just the demon. It was so strong. And we would look at it and say, oh, don't look. Start singing. Start singing. So, you know, sometimes I was raised in church until my, after high school, you know, I wanted to taste a little bit of this world. And I told my mom, I'm, I'm moving out, mom. Just, you know, she was, you know, Hispanic families, most of the time, they don't want you to go out till you get married. Well, I went out before I got married and did my little wild thing, selling out to the devil pretty much. I had a price of going partying. Actually, this was one of the clubs I would come Thursday night over there by that speaker, big speaker right there. There's a little bar right there across, some some chairs there, and I would put my my uh, my glass mixed drinks right there, and um, so I can look who's coming in, what 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 kind of girls are coming in, and my buddies were playing pools. There was a pool, like five pool tables there, had my back over there, and but I started doing that because I hang with the wrong crowd, you know. I started picking up little friends, and hey, come on, man, let's have a drink. Let's get together and all that. And, you know, like I said before, the devil knows what to use. It's like when you go to Sam's, they give you a little little sample cheesecake. God, you weren't planning to get that. But they give it to you. It's good. What do you think? Yeah, just go get one. You know, you know, go around. They got another little sample. The devil works the same. You know, you hang with your, your little crowd at a school. Come on, take a sip, man. It tastes good. Take a sip. Come on, hit it. You know, it feels good. And, and that's the way the devil works, you know. I would sit there. I never smoked unless I came to a club, you know. Then black and mild, it smelled good. And I knew the college girls liked to hit it. So, can I hit it? Yeah. Start a conversation. Cracks a couple of jokes. Get them laughing. And that was it, you know. I was all game. And I knew just the way the devil was using me, you know, I used girls like that too. So, you know, sometimes you say, well, I never did that. But sometimes we sell out to, to God just by working that overtime that we really don't need, but we want money. We want more money in the bank account, you know. So I'm going to work that overtime when you don't really even have to because even if you did, you know, you're missing the word of God that could, you know, God says, you know, do your treasures in heaven where nobody can reach it, you know, because right here, People are selling out right and left, trying to be famous, trying to be rich. You know, they die on their own vomit. They die on their own overdose. They got thousands of millions of dollars in their bank for what? They ain't going to take that to hell. So everybody got to sell out, you know, and, and uh, you think, well, no, not, that, that's not me. You know, I was being at church. Some people come to church and they're just waiting for that. They sell out. They say, "Well, you're not going to that church. Pastor's too good, and his wife's too good. They never say hi to me, or you know, I just don't like how he preaches. Or golly, them them singers are terrible. Or you know, they're just looking for a concert. They they're not looking for the presence of God. They're just looking for a concert, like Hollywood Church over here said. You know, they want they want to they want to show. They want their flesh to be upbeat, and instead of getting into the presence of God, they just want to." 
these want a concert to be happy to have that flesh like back in the old days you know when you used to go concerts or or hear some crazy song that you like and you start jamming start basing it out you know that's what people are still looking for you know of course jeremiah 29 11 says for i know the plans i have for you declares the lord plans to prosper you not to harm you plans to give you hope and future and we're all happy about it yes that's me but it also on peter 5 8 says be self-controlled and alert your enemies the devil prowls around like a roaming lion looking for someone to devour you know and you know as i throw it more to the youth because they're in a slipping slope they think they know it all they you know they're strong we were all there it's just a life cycle you think you know it all you know you, you get a little strong and 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 think my parents are dumb they're old they don't know well i tell kiana since she's my oldest the quicker you learn and understand what we're telling you. It's not that we're being ugly or rude to you. The quicker you're going to be smarter and don't feel so much pain in life. Because if you keep straight with God, you're all good. But once you start thinking yourself, my parents are dumb. They don't know what they're talking about. Or having a little attitude with them. You're going to fall down on, on life pretty hard. So you learn how to respect your parents. You know, and respect God. You're going to be prosper like this, like this Jeremiah 29, 11 says. You know, the devil has a, just like Jesus has a plan for every one of us, the devil also has a plan for every one of us. He's just looking for what is the price for our sellout. You know, is it going to be like Judas and 30 coins that, you know, he regretted that he hanged himself, you know, instead of, a, you know, turning around, you know, he felt bad. All he had to say is like, God, forgive me. But, you know, sometimes the devil won't give you that opportunity that God gave me back, you know. I mean, not everybody is, I ain't going to say it's favor because I know my mom was praying for me all the time. But not everybody's going to have the same opportunity because you don't never know when's your last breath. So, you know, <clears throat> we, we got to watch what, what we do because... Sometimes we think we, we come to church and, and it's like a routine. You always got to be ready because trouble can be right around the corner. You know, we, we got to relate on God first over everything. You know, it's just simple things in life can, can put you in a depressed mode. You know, it's like I'm, I'm depressed and forget every blessing and every hold that Jesus had got us out before because we get under the depressed mode and that's what the devil wants. You know, they want to mess with your mind. He can't mess with your heart, but he'll mess with your mind. And and you'll go you go down pretty quick if you don't watch that. You know, Friday's my birthday and I was happy that uh God gave me another year here on this earth and family and friends and church and everything and right in the afternoon, you know, the devil hits me pretty hard, burns my dump truck all the wine got burned and everything and you know i was kind of i was kind of down but i was like you know what if god wants me out of it well who gets me out of it you know but at the same time earlier this year i never put foot covers on on my dump trucks they're too high but this year for some reason i put full coverage you know i gotta pay a hundred dollars more a month which is about four hundred dollars but i put it on so i'm gonna wait what god if the 
Insurance is going to pay. If not, praise the Lord, he got something better for me anyways. So, you know, you, you can't sell out to the... I mean, the devil wants you to sell out. Whatever price you want, I mean, he even tempted Jesus after he, he fasted those 40 days. He took it to the highest mountain and tell him, you know, I'll give you all this. I'll give you all the power you want. So a lot of things, you know, that's why I'm telling you, watch it. In Spanish, it's like, watch it. Because... You can fall if he got if he tempted Jesus. I mean, who are we? You know, so just watch out and 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 be alert because the devil's out there taking for anybody. You know that is like a little little dummy that that wants to check out the world. He'll take you, but you might not come back. You know, so let's not be like that. Uh, like in Matthew 19, the the young the young uh, ruler that went and asked Jesus. Uh, what do I got to do to have eternal life? And Jesus said, well, follow the commandments. And he said, well, I've done everything. You know, it's a lot of, a lot of times, you know, we're here at church and, hey, I'm, I'm good. But Jesus hit him hard. He said, okay, well, go give. You know, he was rich. He said, go sell all the possessions, give it to the poor. He heard him. You know, he just turned around and then come back. So watch it, you know, because sometimes it can be a little thing. It's just getting mad at somebody. It's that thorn that, that might take us down. So don't let that, that little thorn make it a bondage and the devil can snatch you on his hands. So, um, pretty much, you know, Second Corinthians 5, 17 says, you know, we got to leave the past before. If anyone in Christ, sorry, before, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old things has passed away. Behold, all things have been new, become new. So you just keep on your... Your road and uh, keep your focus on, on God. You know, the government is going to do what government's going to do. We know it's in the Bible that this is our last time, our last days. So pray for the dumb government we got nowadays and just keep focusing on Jesus. Amen.